Chris, I love that you are helping people just rock their their interview and do really well because there's so many people out there right now that are looking for jobs. I see it on LinkedIn, open to work, you know, they've got that new circle around the person and I'm watching and I'm like, ooh, I'm rooting for you. I want you to get a job. I want you to get a job soon. But the research out there shows that it can take six months or more and that's in, you know, (laughs) pre-COVID. It can take a while uh, for someone to actually get a job, especially in a well-paying job for professionals. I see lots of signage out there right now that companies are hiring. A lot of companies are hiring. So when we're thinking about this, and it takes a while, you know, in many cases for people to find positions. And even though there are companies that are hiring, those positions might not necessarily link up with what you're looking for, what your skill set is. What advice do you have for someone out there who is trying their darndest to find a position? The problem is when people are job searching is to do it from a point of fear. So they're normally in an organization and they get to the point where they no longer want to work for that company. They hate the job role. They're getting really stressed and they think I need to break out of this. So they're going to look for work feeling stressed and feeling anxious. Where what you should always do as a career professional is job hunt when you're satisfied in your current role. Because if you don't get a new position, you still got a job that you really enjoy, where if you find a new opportunity, you're going to go there with a confident mindset. And you have to imagine from the employer's perspective, how long it takes for someone to uh, get employed. If you find a job vacancy on a Monday, the 1st of September, as an example, that advertisement is quite likely to be advertised for four mm. weeks. And then there'll be a week where the employment panel shift through everyone's CVs, resumes, and application forms. And then they'll start inviting people down to the interview processes. And if you look at organizations such as Amazon, when Amazon are recruiting for their leadership roles, they have six different job interviews throughout that recruitment period. With large organizations, they've got these four to six weeks uh, or four to six stages of job interviews, which can take two, three, four, five months. So the duration for finding a job and being offered that position can be about six months. And that's when you... um, that's when you're looking for a job that you're comfortable, you're confident at the moment, you're feeling really good about yourselves. When you're feeling stressed and anxious and nervous, you kind of go, I want that job. If we're not going to get that job. My life is over. And it's a really bad position to be coming in. So my advice is always apply for work when you're happy in your current position. Mm, interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I hadn't even really uh, considered that because yeah, it could take six months for you to even find a position to get to that first interview, let alone the, the process that it takes once they start looking at you. It's time for a sneak peek. Sneak peek, sneak peek. If the interviewer makes an effort to be uh, warm and encouraging, the applicant will naturally talk more, will actually uh, explain their unique selling points yeah. and give more detailed examples. And what this allows is the interviewer to have a real picture about the applicant because their goal is to predict the job performance of each applicant and then to offer the best potential applicant the job role. By being warm, by being encouraging, by being friendly, allows the applicant just to share their experiences and their knowledge so the employee can make a better informed decision. And now on with the show. When you're feeling the pressure, take a moment to step back, pick up your marbles and choose to lead with levity. Join us on the Lead with Levity podcast for fireside chats that will fill your bucket and help you get back to being the leader you were meant to be. Now here's your host, 
Dr. Heather Walker. Now, I'm really excited to have this conversation with Chris today and introduce our guest, Chris Delaney. He is the, the CEO, the owner of Employment King. He is a career advisor and an interview specialist and the author of What is Your Interview Identity? He's based out in the UK and he's coming all the way <laughs> through the airwaves today to you through your speakers. So Chris, I want to welcome you to the Lead with Levity podcast. How are you today? I'm really good, thanks Heather. And thanks for having down on your show. I'm really excited to be here. It's that interesting actually, because I am based in the UK, but about 60% of my clients are American. Really? Yeah, I don't know what, I've got no idea because I don't like my marketing strategies into like, you know, recruit people in the USA. But for some reason, I get a lot of Americans taking like the interview coaching sessions and stuff. Are they looking for positions in the UK or are they looking for coaching? Yeah, looking for coaching. So m- most clients that come to me because I kind of have like a hypnotherapy gra- background, they're nervous, they're anxious, sometimes phobic of going to a job interview. So they come to me to get more confident and to learn some strategies and techniques to present themselves better in the job interview. I think that's so important because a job interview is a situation that's a high pressure situation, right? Your livelihood depends on it. Your well-being depends on it because you want to make sure that you're picking a good company, a good supervisor, that it's going to be a good fit, (laughs) all of those things. So it's really important that you show up at your best because you only have one shot in many cases. Most of the time, organizations aren't going to call you back to say, hey, can you redo that? We we think you were a little bit stressed or we think you were a little bit nervous. Can you come back and try that again? No, you're not You're not going to get that. So I am curious. So how do you use your hypnosis and what is it? Do you use like is it NLP techniques? Yeah, yeah. So I use NLP and hypnosis. Uh, one of the barriers actually is we're very confident when we're comfortable in the stuff that we're doing. So if you go to work and you do your business as usual tasks, you're very comfortable at doing that. So you become confident in the, in that task. But job interviews are quite rare incidents for people. You don't go to a job interview every month or every week or every single day. So we get scared and fearful of the unknown. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the biggest barriers is we get afraid going to a job interview to talk about ourselves because it's something we don't really do. But on the basic level, all you're doing is talking about yourself. You are the expert on you. So you should be very confident and comfortable talking about your experience, about your skills, about what you can offer to the organization. But people aren't, people really fear job interviews. In actual fact, when you look at the polls, phobias and fears, being a center of attention, public speaking and job interviews is the number one fear in the world. Heather, get this, people, are more scared of going to the job interview than they are of dying. Can you believe that? <laughs> Maybe, yes. <laughs> Be- because, you know, um, there are so many ways to die, right? And I think the people who are afraid of job interviews are secretly hoping that maybe they pass in their sleep or something and it's nice and peaceful and it's a lot easier than going through the grilling of a job interview. And that, that's right. And it's this grilling uh, metaphor that people always talk about as well. And the reason that people hate being grilled is because we're actually um, a tribe, aren't we? Like humans are tribes, we belong in groups, we belong in teams. And this goes back to our ancestry, the hunter and gatherers. And the only way to fit into your team, your group, your tribe is not to be rejected. 
And when you go on stage as a public speaker or when you go to a job interview or when you put yourself uh, in any situation, when you had to give an idea, give an opinion, talk about yourself, you put yourself up there for rejection and you don't like that thought of potentially being rejected. And this is why people start fearing uh, and becoming phobic in the job interview process. So, Chris, I have a question for you. I have a theory about something. And I'm just curious because you work with a lot of people every single day who are looking for positions. So my theory about this, because I've been on the other side of it as a manager, looking through the resumes and going into the interviews, managers and hiring teams, they are just as nervous. They are just as anxious because they want to make sure that they find a good person. They're excited. They want to meet you. And sometimes I think that applicants, they're not necessarily thinking about it from that perspective as well, like, oh, you know, people are actually excited to meet me because they think I might be the one. (laughs) So, you know, I think there are maybe more healthy ways of looking at it that can really help job seekers as opposed to, you know, going into it thinking, oh, I'm, I'm about to get interrogated and let me make sure I get my story straight. Every time you get invited to a job interview, that employer wants you. Because on average, the research shows that 250 people apply for every advertised vacancy. And if you're applying for jobs with people like Microsoft and Google and the sort of global organizations, Mm -hmm. they often receive like 15 to 20,000 applications for their advertised positions. Because it's dead easy for us these days, isn't it, to throw our resumes up on the internet and for LinkedIn recruiters to come and, you know, approach us. It's dead easy for you to apply for jobs. So the competition for jobs is really, really high. But if you get interviewed, you're quite likely to be one of six people being interviewed. So out of an average of 250 people, you're one of six people that are getting interviewed. They absolutely love Mm. you. You've got a skill, a talent, an experience, a unique selling point that they desire in you. And you're right, Heather. We find that um, about 80% of recruiters uh, are really nervous, just as nervous as the applicant. And this is because if you work for a large organization such as Google, they'll have like a HR team and they've been training like unconscious buyers, they understand the structure of job interview, they've probably read some of the mm-hmm. research that I read. So they're very trained as interviewers. So they're very confident in that position. But in actual fact, for most positions, you get interviewed by your potential line manager, especially for like lower medium skill positions right. uh, and even for some high school positions. And they haven't been trained. They rarely interview people. So they're terrified. <laughs> you can see it in their facial expressions. They're like, I don't want to ask the wrong question. I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> what was I yeah, supposed and to ask back again? To, like, being rejected. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Because again, the interviewer doesn't want to be rejected. If if they're if they're seen as the expert, and then the applicant says something, you know, the applicant has a high level of knowledge uh, in the sector, and they mention something that the interviewer doesn't know about, they'll feel like they're being rejected by the applicant. So it's this kind of like power game where we always think that we've got to be seen as this like you know high powered, very confident, an expert in our industry and sector, where really the employer. And the applicant should just think, this is just about creating a conversation. Let's get to know each other. Let's talk about the job duties, the requirements, the essential criteria, and how I meet that. Uh, and then if I'm a suitable person, I'll get hired. And if I'm not, there's uh, hundreds of other positions out there. Mm. I I love that perspective. And you know, before we connected, I have to be honest with you, I hadn't even really considered levity in a job interview and how the two relate. And you 
offered such a wonderful perspective on it that I think the listeners would love to hear. Can you share with us just, you know, from your perspective, how does how does levity fit with something as serious as a job interview? The research shows that if you have a cold interviewer, so an interviewer who like looks down, doesn't ask any follow-up questions, has no eye contact, makes a small, shappy, uh, snappy nose, mm. the applicant will be even more terrified than they are. If you've got a high level of confidence, you often externalize the interviewer's behavior and think it's got nothing to do with me, so you act in the same mm-hmm. way uh, and then give the same detailed answers. But because most people have a lower level of self-esteem in the recruitment process, we start internalizing it, saying they're not looking at me. Is it something I've done? They're not writing everything down and saying, like, I mustn't be saying the right thing. We start having this, like, negative self-talk, which makes us become more nervous and more anxious in, in the job interview. But the research also explains that if the interview is a, a warm interview, so they have good eye contact, they nod along when the applicant's answering questions, they uh, are more encouraging with their facial expressions, with their uh, follow-up questions, they build rapport before the interview starts. If the, if the interviewer makes an effort to be uh, warm and encouraging, the applicant will naturally talk more, will actually uh, explain their unique selling points yeah. and give more detailed examples. And what this allows is the interviewer to have a real picture about the applicant because their goal is to predict the job performance of each applicant and then to offer the best potential applicant the job role. By being warm, by being encouraging, by being friendly, Mm -hmm. allows the applicant just to share their experiences and their knowledge so the employee can make a better informed position uh, decision. Oh, that's, that's really good. And it gives them a preview of what it would be like to work with you as well. I think that sometimes leaders forget that you know they forget that hey i'm i am setting the tone for what it's like to work here so i'm i'm the ambassador for my culture right now in the middle of this job interview and i'm either sending the message that you know this is a, a punitive kind of sterile hard cold environment or it's warm it's friendly it feels like family here and we take care of each other so that they're sending a lot of messages that they're probably not even aware of in that interview. And there's kind of three outcomes to this as well. So if you've got like a really poor interview and the recruitment process is terrible, people just go on social media and share about this. So the organization gets a, a bad reputation, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, which can be quite damaging uh, to them as well. The other thing is people work really well under different types of culture. So some people need to be in a creative organization where another person works best when they're following like uh, processes and procedures or people work great on their own initiative or in teams. If the employer can share that culture by the way they, they interview, it will encourage the right people to apply for the job roles in the first place. And then the people who accept it will fit into that organization and under that culture. So you have like a, you know, two parties that come together and, and you know, make a perfect hat. So it, that's really important. And then the third thing as well, if, you, if you're called interviewing, you, you, you're purposely being nasty in that job interview because you think that's the way you should be recruiting people, you're not going to get the best talent because for a lot of positions, um, the demand is actually in the job applicant, isn't it? So, you know, people are looking for like highly skilled creative problem solvers, people who are experts in, in AI, people who've got like a real understanding of like leadership skills to really move uh, the an organization because we're in a global job market now. So applicants are actually in demand and the employer can turn the applicant off. It's not like we will accept any single job these days. We'll go to three or four job interviews, get offered two positions and then decide which one we want. Very, very true. 
Now, Chris, what got you started on this this journey, this path? So my my background, I'm dyslexic and I had a list uh, when I was at school. So I left with no qualifications and I just thought my life is going nowhere. So I ended up working in like low skilled, low paid Mm. manual handling jobs. My first job ever was one pound an hour. Can you believe that? Did you say you made one pound an hour? One pound an hour. So this is before we had minimum wage uh, in the UK. So I was on like a pound an hour. That's like my very first job. You know, I got got a bit more pay rise as (laughs) as the years went along, but I was basically working in these low skilled, low paid positions for a while. But I always wanted to help people. I had this passion for like helping people. And I thought, I can't never get paid for this. This is my limiting belief. I'll never get paid for helping people. So I'll volunteer. So I used to take and disabled adults out hiking and climbing. Uh, I used to work with, work with youth groups and scout groups. And I just went to places where I could help people and, and give them the experiences. And I really loved that. And I kind of had this thing grow inside of me where I thought, you know, I really want to learn more about how I can make people more confident, how I can help people overcome their anxieties and that got me to wanting to read a little bit more but I struggled because I was dyslexic it took me like a year to read my first book yeah so it took me so long but I was like naturally learning these skills that I kind of had already inside of me back in my workplace I'm on like you know two pound an hour now I'm doing quite well (laughs) (laughs) yeah you've you've doubled your income yeah double my income Uh, I can't remember what I'm on at this time but you know (laughs) I think minimum wage maybe just come in but I've got this great lucky opportunity so I was working in this warehouse and I got an opportunity to learn how to drive a faultless truck so the big trucks that unload the vans and take the pallets around the warehouse and there's a couple of us on this course and I'm really good on it I'm a kinesthetic learner that's a positive of being dyslexic you're very hands-on learner so I get in the truck and I drive it through the chicane and lift up the pallet reverse it back out I'm like the king of this <laughs> faultless truck I'm so good on the faultless truck but some of my colleagues are really struggling because they're just <laughs> scared and anxious about this big beastie machine and the instructor said to me said Chris you're going to pass your test tomorrow. And then looked at the, my colleagues and said, but I think you're going to fail. <laughs> so this guy, this guy was not a motivational oh, no. speaker. Um, so I went over to him and I used this visualization technique. It's actually a technique that I developed uh, to help people overcome phobias now, but I didn't realize the power at the time. But it was a technique I used to help the mm-hmm. disabled adults climb up the walls when they're a little bit fearful of it. And it's just a very simple visualization technique. Okay. Anyway, they get in the truck, drive it on as you came, pick up the pallet, pull it down, reverse out, and they pass the test fantastic anyway heather a year later the guy who teaches me to drive to faultless truck comes back to my workplace to see me and says chris do you remember who i am i'm like oh yeah you're the you're the faultless truck guy aren't you he goes Mm -hmm. no 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 i'm the managing director of the organization the only reason i was there that day is because the Ah. instructor rang an ill and we came down to to ensure you could get your test completed wow and i always remember that you was with those nervous colleagues of yours and you gave them a whisper. We call you the magic whisperer. You gave them this magic whisper and then they got in the truck <laughs> and passed the test. We have monthly team meetings and every team meeting we talk about you, the magic whisperer. I was like, wow, this is fantastic. And he goes, wow. but we're now in a position to expand our team and we keep, we keep talking about you. So we want to give you an opportunity. We want to mentor you, we want to support you and we want you to pass your thoughtless truck instructor license. I was like, wow, what a great opportunity. And then he goes to me, the instructor mm-hmm. license is £3,000. So Heather, I'm on like £2.50 at the moment. I got £30 in my but I'm so poor that I eat beans and toast from a tea every single night. That's how poor I am. And I thought it was one of those cons, you know, like, give me £3,000. There's not a job at the end of it. And, I was, and he could see this on my face. And he said, no, 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 Chris, we're going to pay for your course. We're going to mentor you. We're going to support you. We're, go- we're going to get you to be really good in this job. We can see something special in you. And I think for me, Heather, 
I think nice. have, having a passion that I really followed and then having a look and then taking a lucky opportunity is the thing that makes me successful. I always follow my passion and any anytime I get an opportunity, I just jump on it and take it. And I think a lot of people don't do that. I think people are often um, given these opportunities for, you know, maybe a job interview or to get a good business deal or, you know, even a friend saying, you know, I got this single person who's looking for a date, would you want to go in? And people get very scared in lots of different situations. <laughs> I always say yes mm-hmm. to situations, see where they turn out, make mistakes, get it wrong. But sometimes that luck and passion comes together to create personal success. Mm, I love it. So I'd like to get some advice from you then on behalf of the listeners. Two parts to this. Part one is what techniques can someone who's, you know, following their passions, because honestly, right now, so many people are following their passions. There's something called, what is it? The yeah. great resignation. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag the great resignation. Everyone is, is quitting and following their passions. So what techniques do you have for someone who has decided, yep, it's, it's time, I'm moving on to something different, or I have to move on to something different, and they're preparing for a job interview. And, you know, they're, they're trying to figure out how do I get, how do I, how do I do this in a way that, you know, I can show up and I can be confident, I can be casual if needed and formal if needed. And, you know, I, I can show my personality. So how to prepare. And then the second part of this is what advice do you have for a leader? What techniques can they kind of employ to help someone feel comfortable in their presence. So the three rules for a successful job interview is rule number one, identify the job criteria. So that's understanding like the job duties, the skills, the qualities that you need for that position, but also understanding the, the company uh, culture, their leadership and management styles as well, what their values and missions are, because all the job interview questions will be based on the job role and the um, culture of the organization. In actual fact, a lot of companies are now using strength-based job interviewing techniques, which are always based around the, the sort of company culture and the leadership and management styles, which is why that's mm-hmm. uh, really important. And real one's so important because when you know what you need to talk about, you can talk about it. If you don't know what, you, what you're what you going to be talking about, it's not going to be relevant to the job role at all. So number one, identify the job criteria. Rule number two, this is so important. In England, we're so reserved, so we never, ever do this. Be a self-promoter. In a job interview, it's all about you. You've mm. got to talk about how great you are, how wonderful you are, give best day examples, talk about those um, situations where you was the king or the queen of that team, where you your ideas made like a real difference, where you <laughs> took on extra responsibility, you came in early, you set tasks, you created something. You've got to talk about how wonderful, how amazing you are. You need to get that across to the organisation. And especially when you understand the job criteria, rule number one, you can link those two things together. And then the final one, rule number three, is communicate with confidence. When you when you can communicate your competencies confidently, the employer understands who you are, understands what you can offer to the team, but they also become interested in you. Like Heather, you have a very warm voice. Like, like I want to be your best friend already just by the tonality uh, of your voice. And that's just the power of communication, isn't it? Some people will get turned off mm. because they have a monotone, boring voice. They talk at one level all the time where... Heather, if you listen to Heather's voice, she'll uh, increase and deep. Ooh, I like this. <laughs> uh, she, uh... <laughs> I like where we're going with this. 
Go on, Chris. Go on. She's got well. First, she's got like a wild, smooth voice, but then she'll raise and lower the tonality and the volume of it. She'll. Yeah, I can tell that you're smiling while you're talking, even though I can't see you, because I can hear the the human, the laughter, mm-hmm. and the joy in your voice. So all these like subconscious communications are so important because it creates a likability. And when we like someone, we then want them to do well. And in the job interview, if we like someone, we mm. want to hire them basically. And if the employer wants to hire you. They actually start subconsciously to search for evidence why you're suitable for that role. Where if they don't like you, like you, they start subconscious searching for evidence why you're not suitable for that role. So the three rules: identify the job criteria, be a self-promoter, and then do what Heather does really well and have confident communication. I will take that. <laughs> I, <laughs> I will take that and own that today. I don't always feel that way, but today at this hour, I will accept that. <laughs> So, so then the second part to this question was, what can uh, leaders do um, to help the applicant? So this is yes. really important as well, because the job role for leaders and employers uh, in a job environment is to predict the job performance of the applicant so they get the best person for that particular role. So this doesn't, oh, this doesn't right. just help the applicant. It also helps the employer with their particular job role, getting the best person for that position. So uh, a couple of things they can do. There's probably three things that you can do. You can do like keep warm emails and people never do this anymore. Back in the day before the internet, we used to get like letters, didn't we saying, oh, you got this interview coming down. We're really looking forward to seeing you. And the letters used to be like really nice and encouraging, didn't they? But we don't really get that anymore because mm-hmm. we have a lot of AI systems that just send mm-hmm. out like the recruitment letters to the, to the applicant. So they could make a bit more of, of an effort prior to the job interview to make people feel relaxed. Explain the job process, explain, explain what the interview is going to be. It's going to be interviewed by one person or a panel of people. What, you, what you're trying to do here is make the interview real for the applicant so they feel more comfortable. You don't need to give away the job interview questions because the research shows that if you do that, you, you won't be able to predict the be- best performing applicant because people can prepare over-prepare too much for it. But you can explain the uh, structure of the day, the interview process, sense. who's interviewing you, make it real for someone. When you first meet the applicant as well, one, hopefully you took some unconscious bias training because we make opinions about people uh, in the instant and that can have a positive or negative effect on the interview. But what you really want to be doing as a leader is making a massive effort to befriend the person that you're going to interview. So that's going over, shaking their hand, complimenting them on their hairstyle or the clothes that they're wearing. Hopefully you've read their resume and application form so you can talk about something they've already mentioned in there as you're walking them up to uh, the interview room. Even like soft questions like, how's your weekend? Did you find us okay? Uh, if you check them out on social media, you might see that they're into, I don't know, football, rugby, tennis or knitting or something. And you can mention that. Really what you're wanting to be doing in that second stage is, is chatting to someone in a way that they just take down their barrier open up a little bit more, feel relaxed in your presence. If someone feels relaxed in front of you, they'll talk about their skills and experience during the recruitment process. And then in the job interview um, itself, Mm. uh, uh, Heather, uh, to to compliment Heather twice in one show, before we went, (laughs) I know. So before before we went uh, live, Heather did this same technique that uh, leaders should do to their applicants. She was like, Chris, we're going to be here for like 30 minutes. It's dead laid back. If you make mistakes, it's fine. Like she told me, everything that was going to happen, the duration, the, the types of questions I was going to ask, that I could make mistakes if I wanted to, that it's not uh, you know, a video, it's just audio. She gave me all this information to help me feel comfortable for our interview today. And that's what leaders can do. Just say to people, I'm going to be asking you eight questions. You can repeat 
You can ask me to repeat the questions. If you don't really understand it, I'll explain it in a different way. If you want to show me anything, you can feel free. If you need to stop for a glass of water, you can explain all the different things that applicant can do to make them feel relaxed. And when you have, have a relaxed applicant, they'll open up more, they'll talk about their experiences more. So you as the leader, as the employer can help predict the job performance uh, once you employ that particular person. I like it. Right now we're in the middle of a pandemic and I'm curious, what are your thoughts on the handshake? And I'm asking because you brought it up. <laughs> so the hands, so uh, I mentioned unconscious bias before. So as soon as the employer walks downstairs to meet the applicant for the first time in reception, they'll make an instant opinion based on everything. So their ethnicity, their perceived age, their gender, the clothes that they're wearing, their posture, uh, their body language, and as you just mentioned, then have a, uh, the handshake. So the handshake. as soon as they see them, it's actually like even before the, the handshake because the unconscious bias is like in milliseconds. People say they make an opinion in five to uh, to 10 minutes, but they don't. They make it instantaneously. It's kind of like a likability. I like you or I don't like you. As soon as you take the handshake, which is the introduction, that reinforces that unconscious bias. So a weak, uh, wetty, you know, slimy palm because you're a little bit nervous and uh, and a little bit scared could potentially reinforce a negative opinion about that person. Where a strong, confident one, where you grip the hand and you, you kind of take control of that shape, will reinforce hopefully a positive opinion about that. So kind of everything, all these different bits of data from the handshake to the perceived age of that person, creates an opinion. Uh, in the instant moment. There was a, actually an experiment done in America uh, where they sent hundreds of resumes off to hundreds of employers, but they attached to the same resume two photos, either a photo of an obese person mm -hmm. or a photo of, of an average weight person. I don't know what an average weight person is, but a, a picture of an average weight <laughs> person. And the conclusion was that the average uh, weight person was more likely to uh, be offered a job interview compared to the obese person because a lot of employers perceived the obese person to be lazy. So that's one example of unconscious bias in play. But Heather, as I mentioned, that um, um, uh, that obese person, did you picture a male or female person? I'm not answering that. I'm not getting myself in trouble. Mm -mm. <laughs> Perfect. But the <laughs> listeners, think about that yourself. I didn't mention any gender there. I just said obese person. So listeners, did you think of a male or female? And about 90% of us would have thought of a male because maybe maybe there is more obese males than females, but that is how unconscious bias works. It's an instant opinion based on very, very few details, mm -hmm. very not a lot of evidence. Yeah, yeah. I, I would be curious um, to find out, and we'll definitely have to ask, you know, once this comes out, are people still doing handshakes in interviews? And if not, what are they doing instead? Because I don't know about you, but we stopped shaking hands for about a year, a year and some yeah. change. And I went to an event recently and someone tried to shake my hand and I had to like, <laughs> I, I had to, I had to, I had a reaction and then I had to overcome it really quickly because I thought, oh, well, I brought hand sanitizer. It'll be okay. <laughs> so I almost <laughs> feel like you might have to mentally prepare yourself for the event, what if someone shakes your hand or tries to shake your hand and you're in a situation like this? The worst thing that you can do is, you know, show show rejection or, you know, like you're repulsed by by that. So how do you prepare for that? And, and you know, if you bring some hand sanitizer, I think you might be OK. But but you need to mentally prepare for that going in because 
if you have a bad reaction, that could definitely break your interview. Yeah, definitely. We find now more shifting interviews uh, are going to be online. So uh, you're actually getting interviewed by robots at the moment. Robots, not not actual humans. So because, especially hmm. these large organizations, when I mentioned stuff like Microsoft and Google and those sort of global companies, because they get like 15, 20,000 applicants, you often, when you get to the first interview round, is you get interviewed by AI system. So a random questions come up on their website mm-hmm. and you have to talk to the video and the video records you, but an AI system uh, analyzes your answer to see if you're more suitable uh, to go through to the physical job interview round. And this isn't new. AI systems have been um, checking our CVs, mm-hmm. resumes, and application mm-hmm. forms for, for a number of years now. And, you know, Mark Zuckerberg is talking about the metaverse will be doing virtual reality job interviews in the near future as well. Mm-hmm. But when you do get through to that physical uh, job interview round, that handshake is just an automatic process. And when we meet someone for the first time in a professional setting, we, it's just embedded in our mind to put out our hands and to give that handshake. So if you are then repulsed by that because of the pandemic, the other thing that happens is we have mirror neurons in our mind. So when you read a fleeting microfacial expression, so one of discuss, we mm-hmm. register in our mind and feel that same emotion. And then we could attribute that to you. So I felt discuss while looking at you, the you know, the stimuli. So I had this negative feeling about the person straight away. And it, and you might say, Well, why does that matter? This like fleeting microfacial expression. But it's the same with the unconscious bias, isn't it? That instantaneous opinion can affect our likability or dislikability of, of that particular person That's true. now a, gr- a great way to overcome that like it, uh, me and heather were talking before because i'm based in the uk and the uk is out a lot down now and we don't have to wear a mask as much and people are starting you can see people hugging and handshaking a lot more and this is you know it's only a couple of weeks since right. since, right. since we took our mask off so, um, but people have gone back to the norm quite quickly so I think people will be shaking hands in job interviews, but if you don't want to, and you can see the employers affected by that, you need to break that state. So you need to make it into like a humorous joking, joking affair. And bringing humor and, and jokes into interviews is a great thing to do because like we said before, everyone's nervous, the interviewer's nervous, the applicant's nervous. By having a little bit of humor uh, can kind of break that state and, and make people relax a little bit more as well. What kind of humor works best in a job interview? Yeah, you do have to be very careful because a lot of humor does not go down well. So you don't also want to be saying, you know, I've got a not not joke for you. You can't you can't set a joke up like that, but you can exaggerate things, can't you as well? So, you know, if someone kind of saying like, oh, you know, I can see that you've um, I don't know, work for this organization and didn't they bring out this you work for i don't know i can see you work for elon musk didn't it didn't he recently sent a rocket into space and say yeah you know i was, I was a pilot for that rocket and mm. you know just something a little bit silly or a little bit exaggerated mm. and break a little bit of humor but yeah you also have to read the interviewer you know is that someone who's going to find that type of joke funny or are they are they quite a serious person right right so we're looking for those cues early early on right yeah definitely like i kind of read people's facial expressions and their body language, but we get an intuitive feeling about people anyway. So you can kind of tell if someone's serious or if someone, you know, uh, if they're going to be humorous. A lot of interviewers to break the applicant state will make a joke at the beginning and it's just like a bit of a dry joke. But if they do that, you kind of open the door that you can you can joke. You can always reframe stuff as well. I remember going for an interview once, working in the helping sector. Mm-hmm. And in and generally in this sector, it's mainly females, or 70% females, 50% males do these sort of roles to stereotype. Uh, and as the applicant came down the stairs, uh, sorry, as the interviewer came down the stairs, she was reading my my CV on my application form. My name's Chris. 
Mm-hmm. And which can be for Christopher male or for Christine for, for female as well. Very true. And she looked up and seen me and she went, Oh, I thought you was gonna be female. And she kind of like, look a disgusting in her face. But it's very fleeting. Like she didn't really, you know, she didn't see me as a disgusting person, but it was like a bit of a shock thing for her. Right. She so only hires females. <laughs> yeah, but remember though, like unconscious bias mm-hmm. is is unconscious. It's not like it's oh, I will only hire females or I want hire old people or young people. It's just we have an instant opinion about that group uh, or that person. In, in front of us because if your age is sexist or racist as an example then you're you're never going to hire that particular uh, cohort so pe- people have these initial opinions but it's not so it's not like a true belief really it's just based on their own experiences and, and sometimes it's based on their values and beliefs as well but yeah, yeah so anyway she comes down and mentions that oh i thought you were going to be female so i turned around and said well, it's really funny actually because a lot of people think i'm going to be female and she kind of like smiled when i said that <laughs> and then i said it's because i got uh, lots of feminine traits I'm, I'm very empathetic i'm a great communicator i'm a really good oh. listener all the skills you need for this particular particular job role like so i made move. her laugh and i reframed it a lot yeah i used a smooth technique <laughs> oh very smooth very smooth well chris this has been such a pleasure talking to you about job interviews i hope that this helps someone who's out there just you know grinding it out trying to find something that's going to be a good fit for them um because the last thing we want is for you to go out there and get a job out of desperation. We really want you to flourish in whatever role that you're in. And there are plenty of companies out there that care about their employees and they care about their work environment and the culture. So I hope that you are looking for that kind of company. So Chris, do you have any last words before we go today? Yeah, so the final piece of advice is is to feel comfortable in communication. You're just talking about you, and that's all you need to do. So the more detail you give about yourself, the more likely you're going to score high in the job interview process. So be comfortable talking about yourself. Mm, that's really, really good advice. And if anyone is interested in catching some more information about you, about Employment King, or any of the services that you provide, where should they go? So my website is employmentking.co.uk. My new book, What Is Your Interview Identity, is on all good bookshelves, but Amazon is the one that we always seem to go to for some reason. (laughs) Uh, And I'm on LinkedIn. A lot of people just uh, private message uh, particular questions about interviews. I'm always happy to answer them as well. So yeah, find me on LinkedIn. Thanks for tuning in to the Lead with Levity podcast. To get resources mentioned in this episode and find out what we're all about, check us out at leadwithlevity.com.